Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. Welcome to the Loma Linda University Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by the message. So about four years ago, both of our kids got married in about a five-week span. It was intense. I remember thinking at that time, so this is what the families and the parents of all those couples I've had the wonderful privilege of performing weddings for, we're going through. This is intense. I learned a lot of things during that time. I learned things about, for example, the invite list. So Anita and I had an invite list that we made up. It was a good list. It's a long list. You were on it, just so you know. And our kids and their future spouses made lists. And then Anita and I made the mistake of showing them our list. And they looked and they said, who are all those people? And we said, well, they're our friends. And they said, we, we, we don't know those people. They're surely good people, but we don't know them. We said, yes, but they're, they're really good people. And they said, but it's our wedding. And that's when I learned something. When it comes to a wedding, the invite list is finally decided by the groom and the bride. So if you didn't get an invitation, please don't blame me. <laughs> I tried. But it's an important lesson, especially as we come to the supper table of the Lord. We come to a table here and have questions at times in mind. Maybe the key question of which is this. Who gets invited? It's not a small question for a range of different reasons. For one, it's a very important question because this, this is just the rehearsal dinner. The wedding supper of the Lamb is what's going to ultimately matter. And you see, those who accept the invitation here are on the invite list there. So it matters who gets invited. Furthermore, throughout Christian history, for the last 2,000 years, people have fought over who gets invited to the table. Some people have said, anyone who wants to is invited. And others have responded, oh, no, 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 only those who belong. Some have said, you have to be good enough to deserve it, and others have responded, but Jesus said, I came to call sinners, not the righteous. Some have wanted to roll out the welcome mat while others have locked the front door. So it's a legitimate question. Who is on the invite list? 
Who decides who will come? Table fellowship was extremely important in the world and the day of Jesus. In fact, just to get a little bit of a glimpse of how important it indeed was, listen to these words from Scott Barchi, uh, emeritus professor of history down at UCLA. His specialty is that first century world in which Jesus lived and worked. Listen to what Barchi says about this thing called table fellowship. He writes, it would be difficult to overestimate the importance of table fellowship for the cultures of the Mediterranean basin in the first century of our era. Mealtimes were far more than occasions for individuals to consume nourishment. Being welcomed at a table for the purpose of eating food with another person had become a ceremony richly symbolic of friendship, intimacy, and unity. Thus, betrayal or unfaithfulness toward anyone with whom one had shared the table was viewed as particularly reprehensible. On the other hand, when persons were estranged, a meal invitation opened the way to reconciliation. Even everyday mealtimes were highly complex events in which social values, boundaries, statuses, and hierarchies were reinforced. Anyone who challenged these rankings and boundaries would be judged to have acted dishonorably, a serious charge in cultures based on the values of honor and shame. Transgressing these customs consistently, consistently would make a person an enemy of social stability. Table fellowship mattered. So who gets invited? In a world like that one we just read, that those words just described, who is Jesus going to invite? It really matters. We have pretty good ideas, some of us, about who should be here and who should not. Sometimes we think the one that shouldn't be here is me. And other times we think it's you. So what might Jesus practice? What he did at that time teach us? We go to Luke 22 for an answer to that question. Luke chapter 22. We're going to read just three verses that set the context and describe what happened and Jesus' attitude toward who gets invited. So Luke 22, we begin reading in verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Eagerly desired. I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. You might remember that Greek word. We've talked about it once or twice over the years. It's a strong word, a forceful word. It can be translated negatively or positively, depending on the context and what the object of that desire is. When it's translated negatively, it's translated as covet or lust. When it's translated positive, positively, it's translated like it's translated here, I have eagerly desired. There's an intensity, a passion of desire about what's about to happen. In fact, the literal Greek word appears twice in two different forms. What Jesus is saying is, with desire, I have desired to eat this meal with you before I suffer. 
So if we conclude anything at all, we have to conclude that the faces around the table were intentionally there. Jesus, with this desire to eat with them, had made key choices about who would join him at the table. So who were they? Who were these faces around the table? The first thing we notice as we peer in on that group in that upper room is that this is a motley crew, a ragtag group. They're largely uneducated. They're unprofessional. They're unemployed. They're unable to do much in the world of their day. In fact, there's not a, a, a face there. Well, maybe there's one. But as for the rest of them, there's not a face there whose picture would have appeared in the high school yearbook under the designation, most likely to succeed. They don't listen all that well to Jesus. And when they do listen, they tend to forget. They fight among each other a lot. They're always trying to elbow each other out of the way, get the best place at the table, the highest rung on the ladder. This is a suspect group of people, Jesus. It makes me want to say to him, Jesus, you may want to vet that list a little more. You may want to edit the list. And Jesus says, my party, my list, they stay. Well, Jesus, let's just take a few of them around the table. I mean, look at Matthew over there, Matthew the tax collector. To anyone in his world, that would mean Matthew the collaborator, the traitor, the occupying force that held sway to their land, the hated Romans. Matthew collaborated with them. More than likely, he paid for the right to be a tax collector so that as he built his fellow countrymen and women out of their hard-earned money, he could line Rome's coffers and line Matthew's pocket. Matthew the collaborator. You sure you want him on your list, Jesus? And Jesus says, my meal, my list, Matthew stays. All right. Well, look over there to the left of Matthew, if you get my drift. To the left of Matthew, Simon, not Simon Peter, Simon the Zealot. Zealot, that was a term, a technical term in the world of the day for the people who had a mindset that said, we will fight to keep Jewish lands and the temple and thought processes and religion pure. We will do anything we need to. We will suffer intensely. We will kill if we have to, but we will get rid of these oppressors. Jesus, the zealot, and the collaborator sitting there next to each other? You need to vet your list a bit more carefully. You sure you want the zealot on the list? 
And Jesus says, my supper, my list, the zealot stays. All right. But what about that other Simon? Simon sitting across from him, Simon Peter. Come on, Simon Peter was, he couldn't stop talking. I, I, I thought maybe I didn't learn Greek well enough because if I knew Greek well enough, I think finding in these Gospels a text wouldn't be hard. It's the text where Jesus looks at Peter and says, Peter, shut up. Put a sock in it. I haven't found the text yet, but it's got to be there. Because that's who Peter was, always talking, always saying things that were out of context, sticking his foot in his mouth, embarrassing himself. And I've wondered, does he embarrass Jesus? Even on this night, Jesus looks at him and says, Simon, Satan has desired to have you, all of you, and, and, and to sift you as wheat, Simon. He will be so powerful that before the rooster crows tomorrow you will deny me three times and true to form peter said no 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 all these others all these others around here you can't trust them i'll be the last one with you i'm your last best hope jesus i'll stand right beside you and fight to the death And Jesus says, I want you to remember those words next time you hear a rooster crow. And I say, Jesus, come on. He's going to deny he even knows you. Vet your list. And Jesus says, my meal, my list, Peter stays. Just let anybody in here. And then our eye falls on the one seated next to the host. He's the one whose picture very well may have appeared under most likely to succeed. He, he's, he's more refined. He's more polished. He's more slick than the rest of them. He's well-dressed, has his money in the bag, and has his hand on the money. Jesus speaks to him as well, to this man from Kerioth, Judas Iscariot. I know what you're up to, Judas. Jesus is still trying to to reach him. And we all this time want to say, Jesus, please be careful with who you invite. Vet the list. And Jesus says, it's my meal. It's my party. Judas stays. And I just wonder about that. Because for the next 2,000 years, people will fight over who gets to be at the table. 
And yet, if I take Jesus' list right, he's saying anybody's going to be at the table. Any of us. Even me, when I'm failed and, and, and messed up. Even you, when it's been a horrible week. Even that person you sit here, noticing out of the corner of your eye, who sits here in this sanctuary, and you're thinking, what are they doing here? They're on his list. That's what they're doing here. And Jesus says, it's my meal. It's my party. They stay. It's really quite stunning. Stunning because it's not just about this table. It's about the wedding supper of the Lamb. The grand table. At the great wedding, eating the true banquet. Because you see, this is just the rehearsal dinner. The wedding's yet to come. This is the rehearsal dinner at which those who are participating are giving their RSVP to that supper, to that feast. When we come here and participate, we eat, we drink with gratitude for what happened, what Jesus did. But we eat, we drink with hope for what is to come. Because remember the rest of our text? I have eagerly desired to eat this meal with you before I suffer. For, do you remember the rest? I will not eat it again until... We eat it in the kingdom of God. It's gratitude, and it's an RSVP, and incredibly, anyone can come. So if you're tempted to tell Jesus to vet his list, to look it over more carefully, just remember what he says. It's my meal. It's my wedding. It's my invite list. And anybody who wants to can come. The Seventh-day Adventist Church has long practiced an open communion. That means if you're, if you're a guest, if you're a first-time guest today among us, we invite you to the table. We do follow John 13's example of washing feet as we come to the table. We'll slip out of this worship center. We'll go back to the buildings kind of behind us there. Participate together, and I'm asking our family to keep an eye out for those who may be guests to draw them in. And then we'll return to this place to enjoy the supper table of the Lord. God bless you in rich ways as you enjoy his scandalous grace. Amen. Find more podcasts, 
videos, church events, and how you can support the Loma Linda University Church at lluc.org.